purpose here is to bring more of heaven's culture to the earth. We're not running from the earth's culture. We're changing the earth's culture by bringing heaven's culture in to the earth, and we're making a difference. We have a king who is returning, just like he said. Now, not only do we have a king who's returning, but the people of God, until he returns, must live by faith. We have to live by faith until he comes. Everybody say, until he comes. So we have to live by faith in the embassy we have to live by faith in the kingdom culture until he comes and fully restores the kingdom of God to this earth. So he gives us a parable that tells us how to live by faith and the importance of living by faith. Now, we call this the parable of the mustard seed. So let's look at this. I think it's going to surprise you how this one unfolds because we make a lot of generalities with this one that are just assumption, but there's a lot of meat in this. Another parable he put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all the seeds, but when it is grown, it is greater than the herbs, than the herbs, and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. Okay? Let me give you something that an easy part of this that you can guess. All right, in the parable of the sower, where Jesus sows the seed, tell me what the birds represent the wicked ones who come to steal the seed so sometimes we get all excited about this tree until we realize we've built something that's full of birds and when we build something full of birds we don't realize that even though our faith is now our faith is going to be tried and the wicked one is going to come and try to steal that so I'm just letting you in on a little bit of that but let's go ahead and unlock this so here is the parable of the mustard seed explained the first thing you have to see is he does not say a certain man. He says a man. So this is anybody in this room, any man or woman in this room. And then he says that he gives us the, the mustard seed. Now, why does he specify this mustard seed? I believe it's because he taught in Matthew 17 and 20 that if you have the faith of the grain of mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, be thou removed, and, it'll be, and, and it will be cast into the sea. I believe Jesus specified the mustard seed to give us a little bit of help in decoding this one. He said, you have to understand, you're not talking about seeds, and you're not talking about mustard. You're talking about faith. So here is a man who has decided to live by faith. Now, I want you to notice the next phrase. He took it. He took it. This faith was not given to him. It is something he took hold of. Now, you have to understand this. You can hear the word tonight, but not everybody's going to take it. Well, I can talk to you all night long about the kingdom, and not everybody's going to believe that we have a king, and not everybody's going to believe that he's coming back. Not everybody's going to believe it. Somebody can give you the word, but what you do with the word is different than what you heard. What you... I don't, want to, I, I, I don't want to say this, but I'm just going to say it. Do you, do you know statistically that only 5% of anyone who ever hears a sermon writes anything down, and by Tuesday, almost everything you heard, you have forgotten? Statistically. Only the people who make notes and re, 
relive those unless you have a photograph or like we do here we just buy the cd and dvd right that's what we do so so you can play it over especially with perry i mean he's trained us well you can't take notes when perry preaches so why even try just get it and rewind it and rewind it and rewind it but here's the thing just because you're getting something doesn't mean you're using it just because somebody prayed for you and anointed you doesn't mean you're walking by faith they might have had the prayer for your healing but that doesn't mean you did and they might, have, they might have prayed that. They might have unlocked you, but that doesn't mean that you're going to live sustained in that, in that victory in your life. So notice this. The person walking by faith has decided. Somebody say, I have decided. They have decided to live by faith. So they took it and they sold it. And I want you to notice where they sold it in his own field. He took the word, and I'm going to take the word and put it in my house. I'm going to take faith and put it in my business. I'm going to take faith and put it in my family. So notice what happens when someone gets a hold of faith. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing what? There you go. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So what happens when I hear a word, I grab it, I latch hold of it, and now I start applying it to my life. Notice what happens when I apply it to my house. He took it, he put it in his own field, and he began to grow. Not only did it grow, it grew larger than all the other herbs. Now, mustard is an herb. I don't know if you if you notice what's happening in this passage, but the man with faith is on the same journey as everybody else, but he now has success. What happens when your faith causes your business to grow? What happens when your faith causes your ministry to grow? He says that faith can cause you to grow. There's three things that are going to happen when your ministry. Now get this: we have a field of mustard and only one tree. What do you think the other mustard planters are going to say about that? You think they're going to be happy that he outgrew them and they all planted the same thing? You think he's going to be thrilled that they all started in the ministry at the same time and God blessed this one? You think they're going to be happy that all of them planted a church at the same time and this one looked blessed and this one struggled? You think they're going to be happy? You think they're going to be happy that all these people started a business, but one of them decided to pray every morning to start their business and to sow ties from their business, and the other ones didn't, and now they're upset because this business that it was operating on faith now has begun to grow? Do you think they're going to be happy when they see how faith was applied to this marriage or this family or these lives? Do you think they're going to be happy when they see, when they, when they understand? No, there's three things that are going to happen when Ever your faith gives you success. Faith will bring you success. It will grow. It will blossom. And it will outgrow everything else around it when you operate things on faith. But three things are going to happen. First of all, people will get jealous and attack your success. Anybody seen that one before? Well, I could grow too if I just let, you know, let all of this, all these little things they say. People would start criticizing even the areas of your life that has been blessed. I know people afraid to drive a new car because people will talk about them. I know people afraid to buy a new house and tell anybody they bought a new house because somebody's going to talk about them. Can I tell you something? You stop apologizing for the things God has blessed you with. You stop apologizing. If God has blessed you, you don't have to give anybody one explanation. We need a few successful people in the kingdom that are not just struggling their way in 
into heaven. We needed some giant killers. We need some people who can knock some walls down. We need some people who can conquer the land and walk by faith and be a great example of what kingdom living looks like and what kingdom living feels like and acts like. You don't have to explain to any jealous critic why you're driving a nice car or why you bought a new dress or why you got on that nice ring. They're going to criticize you and tell you you should have given it to somebody else. They're really talking about themselves most of the time. You should have given that to me and not somebody else. Listen, if God has blessed you, you just let God keep on blessing you and you just keep letting flow. You just keep letting God flow from your life. God blessed Abraham not so he could consume. He blessed him to be a blessing. We need some people living in the overflow. We need some people who have more than enough so they can give some of it away and continue to bless the kingdom. You see, when God decides to bless you, he doesn't need anybody's permission to bless you. He doesn't need your critic's permission. He doesn't need your enemy's permission. He doesn't need your ex-wife's permission to bless you. God can bless you just because he wants to bless you. God can get sassy with a blessing like he did in, like he did in Psalm 30 and say, I'll bless whoever I want to bless. That's just what he said. I saw it. I mean, you read that? It's like God has his hand on his hip and his head is just swaying and he's giving you the chicken head and the whole thing and he's saying, listen, I'll be gracious to whoever I want to be gracious. I'll bless whoever I want to bless. It's nobody's business. I'm not asking your enemy. I'm not even asking your friends. I'll bless whoever I want to bless any way I want to bless them. And when you get blessed, get ready for criticism because blessed people get critics. That tree is now bigger than the other trees. And somebody's not happy because they wish that was their tree. They were happy with you as long as you were on the same level they were on. Now they're going to say things like, well, you're just too big for your britches. That's, that's what losers say. That's not what winners say. You'll never hear a winner say that. You're just too big for your britches. I hope so. I, you tell me I'm too big for my britches, I'm going to tell you I sure hope so. Because I've been trying to climb that mountain for a long time. I've been trying to live in victory for a long time. I've been cutting the head off the giant for a long time. I hope I'm bigger than my raising. I hope I'm bigger than all of that. I hope I've outgrown some of the mindsets that were handed down to me. I hope that I'm living in victory and I live in a place of victory. You're looking at a guy, I refuse to live in fear. I want to live in faith. I refuse to live my life running from the devil. Instead, I want to run him out of town. I want to chase him down and beat him to dust and live a victorious life in Jesus' name. Oh, praise God. Okay, here's the first thing that's going to happen. People are going to get jealous when your tree gets too big. Secondly, here's the other thing. You're going to be tempted to put your faith now in the tree. Ah, what happens to the person that says, Lord, just just give me a husband. And now they get a husband and quit going to church. What happens to the person, Lord, just give me a job. And they get the job and they stop paying tithes. What happens to the person that says, Lord, just give me money. And they give money. And now they're too busy and they're, too, they're spending money everywhere except in the kingdom building. What happens when God blesses you so much that you no longer need faith now to trust him? So now you're just uh, trusting the tree. The second temptation is going to happen when your faith outgrows you. Your faith 
is going to succeed and your, your temptation is to rely on money and connections and marketing and strategies. Listen, if faith built your business, keep faith in your business. If faith built your home, keep faith in your home. If faith built your church, keep faith in your church. Keep trusting God the way you always did because the birds are going to come and they're going to try to steal your joy from you. Now, here's the third thing that's going to happen. The birds are going to come, but notice this. They can't take the tree and they can't take the seed all they can do is take the fruit. When the birds show up in the tree, all they can do is try. See, Satan can't stop your favor. He, he, has, no, he has no say so. He does not get in a vote. He does not get a vote of whether God gives you favor. And your faith is going to unlock your favor. Satan cannot stop your faith he cannot stop your 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 he cannot stop your future the only thing he can do is try to steal your fruit ah wait a minute what do you mean my fruit well think about we're in the kingdom think about getting so successful that you've stopped doing kingdom work and started building your own kingdom have you ever seen someone do that before notice this when you get successful, you have to be careful because if, if the bird steals your fruit, it steals your future because the future is in the seed of that fruit. So if he can't take the seed you put in the ground, it's already grown. You're already in your destiny. You're already growing. But he can stop you from doing all the other things that you could have been doing in the kingdom by distracting you, by, by taking away those things that you thought were yours and stealing your fruit. So here's the thing you need to understand. You've heard me teach on this before. I don't know if I've ever taught this at OCI, but I know at ISO I've taught it before on the four faces of the seraphim. If you look at the four faces of the seraphim, in, in Ezekiel chapter 1, it gives you the positions of their faces. You have on the right side, you have a lion. On the left side, you have a calf. On the back side, you have a flying eagle. And on the front side, you have a man. And the reason they're positioned that way is because the right hand of, is God's hand of power. This is you worshiping in battle when you are worn out, but you're praising anyway. And this is you over here worshiping in sacrifice where it looks like nothing is going good for you, but you trusted God anyway. It, you're, 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 you're sick. Your body's not doing what, you, what you're claiming it's going to do. Your money's not doing what you're claiming it's going to do. You're in sacrifice, but you're praising God anyway. But notice the one he put in the back, your successes. Notice what he put in the back. The flying eagle is in the back because you cannot worship your success. Your success is be behind, has to be behind you. Yes, God blessed me, but I can't wait to see what he's going to do now. God has blessed me, but I can't, God has blessed this business, but I'm ready to go to the new level. Or maybe sell that and, and trust God for something even greater than that. So when you are successful in life and ministry, if you can't walk away from ministry... Listen, you're looking at a guy that had to make that choice. You're looking at a guy that God had blessed me tremendously in ministry, but then God called me to build a school. And people ask me all the time, why in the world did you leave a large church like Twin Rivers to go build a school? It doesn't make sense. And I'm telling you, I agree with you, it doesn't make sense. But there's only one reason for that. It's because he asked me to. I am in the kingdom. I have a king. The king asked me to. There is no other explanation. It didn't even make sense to me. It didn't make sense to a lot of people. But I knew what I had to do. And can I tell you, I used to wake up every morning of my life and say, God, give me this city. 
city. Give me this city. Give me this city. You know what I do now? I say, God, give me the nations. Give me the nations. Give me the nations. I don't pray for a city. I pray for the nations. And you know what? ISO is now in 58 nations around the world. We are training people with the gospel in 58 nations around the world because we're kingdom builders. So even when you get success, you have to be willing to walk away from even something good to go to something greater just because it's good. You see, I learned this principle a long time ago. When I have money in my hand, it becomes one of two things. If I have an ear of corn in my hand, it either becomes my food for today or my seed for tomorrow. I can eat that corn and sustain myself for a day. I can plant that corn and sustain myself next year. And that's the reason that my wife and I are generous givers. We, we give way beyond our tithes, and I'm not saying that to brag, because I know it's 10%. We give way, way beyond 10%, and we have done that for many, many years, and we don't do it just because we're rich or we can't. We do it because of this thing right here. We know that we're sowing into our future, and we know that whatever's in my hand, if I keep it, it's mine. If I sow it, it's God's, and I want to put it in his hands because I know that God is going to sustain my future. You cannot get attached to your successes because I want to move on to the next one but I want to tell you this that you're never going to get so successful in in your life that you don't need a prayer life you are never going to get so successful at preaching that you don't need the anointing you are never going to build a church that is so blessed that you're not in need of a revival you're never going to get so educated that you don't need a fresh revelation from the word of God even though your tree grows don't get addicted to the success the same faith that got you there is the same faith that's going to keep you going. Don't let the birds steal your future and don't let the critics steal your blessing. If you believe God and faith builds something great, you just relish in the goodness of God and let the joy of the Lord be your strength. Now, I want every blessed person to give God praise right now. Hallelujah. Well, I hope you are enjoying this teaching and the rest of it will play in just a moment. But I just wanted to take a moment, make you aware of a, of a very special offer that we're offering right now on two of our most popular items. This one is called Keys to the Kingdom. This is a three DVD set that is a teaching on the parables of Jesus. Now, many people don't understand that the parables, parables of Jesus as you read them in the Bible just sound like a story. Every one of them is a prophetic truth. Who knew that the parable of the Good Samaritan was about the coming of the Lord and the rapture of the church? Every single parable unfolds just like that. That's what this teaching is about. And this is our top 10 most requested sermons. And we put this in a little uh, USB drive so you can stick it in your computer or a lot of cars nowadays that don't have CD players have USB drives. So stick this right in your car and you can listen to our top 10 sermons as, uh, as you drive down the road. So if you want this offer, go to briancutshell.com. This is offer uh, hope in the word or HW001. So HW001 and you can get this, uh, these two items at a special discount. Now let's continue in the word of God. Here's the last one, the last one we have time to do. And this one, Jesus worked on this one for us, so he did all the hard work for us. The kingdom people have a king. The kingdom people 
are expecting the return of the king. The kingdom people are living by faith until he comes, but we're living with a sword in our hand. If you're in the embassy, you need to have a sword in your hand. There's a difference. I told you earlier, there's a difference in church culture and kingdom culture. Church culture is about songs and prayer lines and all of our traditions, all things we love and making good announcements, make sure everybody comes back. I mean, that's church culture. There's nothing wrong with it. It keeps us going. It keeps us moving. But at some point in time, we have to move out of that into kingdom culture and put some anointing oil on our house and say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And if you're going to get to my family, you've got to come through my sword to do it. At some point in time, we have to take on our warring stance in the kingdom because kingdom people people carry a sword. Now here's the verse that tells us this. He said, therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the Lord and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away this, that which was sown in his heart. Now this is the interpretation of this. This is not when Jesus is, is explaining it. This is, when, or this is when Jesus is actually explaining the parable. Now get this. When someone, anyone hears the word and does not understand it, the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. There's a reason people don't understand the word, and I'm going to show you that reason in just a moment. He said, um, this is he who received the seed by the wayside. But he who received the seed on stony ground, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation and persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Look at verse 22. Now he who received seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becomes unfruitful. All right, but he who received the seed on good ground is he who hears the word, understands it, and indeed bears fruit. But notice this, how it ends. He got the word, he received it, but some are only some are producing a hundredfold return, some sixty return, and some thirtyfold return from the word. Now, what is the difference? The difference is in the sword. So let's talk about that. So here is the parable of the sower explained by Jesus. The seed is the word of God. Everybody say the word of God. The seed is the word of God. The bird is the wicked one who comes and steals the word of God. So those are wicked people. Those are wicked ones who come to steal the word of God. The stones are distractions. We all get some of those every now and then. So the stones are distractions from hearing the word. And let me, let me tell you something. There's stones in every service. I promise you there are people who have already been distracted tonight. It's going to happen in every service because there's stones in every service. They're distracted from hearing the word. And there's other people who are just so beat down, the thorns of life. They're feeling pain. That's why it's thorns. They're feeling pain from the thorns. And because of that, the cares of life have beat them down so badly, they're having a hard time hanging on to the word. But then there's this good ground, and the good ground are people who are, who are receiving the word and applying it, some 100, some 60, and some 30. Now, here's what you have to understand about this. There's a passage in the Bible that a lot of people misunderstand because they don't understand this is only applying to the Bible. 
It's not applying to your, to your groceries, and it's not applying to your bank account. It's only applying to the Bible. He answered and said to them, because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For whoever has, to him more will be given. If this was talking about money, this would be a very cruel statement. Look at this. For him who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But to him who has not, does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. How many of you know if that was your pocketbook, this would be pretty mean? If you got money, I'm giving you more. If you don't have money, I'm taking it away from you. He's not talking about stuff. He's not talking about houses and lands. He's talking about one thing, the word of God. If you have the word of God in you and you hear the word, you have something to attach it to. If you do not have the word of God in you and you hear the word, it goes right over your head. You don't get it. You don't understand it. I can tell you there are people like myself and many others. Perry is one of those for sure. And many of you in this room, you just love the word. I mean, you digest it. You read it. You can't get enough of it and when somebody's preaching you are connecting the dots in the sermon before they ever get there because you are full of the word so notice this kingdom people have to bear a sword and the only way to sharpen your sword is to have the word of God implanted in you this means you have to listen to it on your way to work on your on your podcast this means while you're getting dressed listen to the word this means you got to read it this means you got to li- this means you got to take notes and you you got to have these prayer journals. You have journal. Let me hold up your journal. See this journal right here? This is somebody that's going to walk home tonight with the Word of God attached because he has this prayer journal. He's going to take that, and then for devotion tomorrow, you're going to flip through it again and again, and that Word is going to start attaching itself to you. So get this. To him who has, more will be given. To him who has not, more will be, some of that will even be taken away. Now notice this. The One of the reasons that you, you see the 30 and the 60, 6100 is because of how people celebrate the word. Now, in Nehemiah 8, 5 through 6, Ezra opened the book and in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. Notice this. They stood up when he opened the book. And get this. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. Then all the people answered, amen, amen, while lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. They did all of this because he opened up the Bible and read it. Think about that. Imagine getting that excited. I love that some of you came up to me tonight and you just made my day. I want to tell you, when you came up to me and said, I am so excited about the word. Because I know I'm the sower tonight, and, uh, and, and it, it excites me to know that you're excited about the Word of God. Not just a preacher or preaching, but you're excited to learn something that God is going to say here tonight. The more excited you are about the Word of God, the more you anticipate it, the more the ground is plowed, the more seeds you retain, the more you begin to grow, the more you, the more you celebrate the Word of God, the more you begin to grow. How many of you love the Word of God tonight? Give him praise if you love the Word of God. Now, why is this important in the kingdom? Why do we need the Bible? I know for some people, some of the parts of the Bible just don't make sense to them. 
But why do we need to hear it anyway? Why do we need to learn it anyway? Well, eventually, the Lord used to have me read through the Bible every, every year, sometimes two or three times a year. One time, he told me to read through the Bible in 90 days, and I was really excited about that until I started doing it. That is hard. There were some days I would get behind. If I'd skip a few days, I remember one day I had to read 12 hours in one day because I was so far behind, and I knew I wasn't going to finish. But you know what happened after that? I started reading things in the Bible. This is what I've done. You do it your own way. I read through a Bible, and then the Lord told me to do this years ago, put that Bible away on a shelf and get a new Bible. I like my old Bibles better, but I'd get a new Bible, and every time I would get a new Bible, I'd get fresh fresh revelation. I'd start learning things. And I have a whole stack of my old Bibles, and every one of them have things written in the margins. And I'd love to preach from those, but God keeps them. Now i got an electronic Bible, so I'm now writing all in that one. And if you get a hold of my iPad and you start flipping through my scripture, you're going to think, what color is this Bible? Because i got it all highlighted and all my notes in there because I do it on planes a lot now. And so, but my whole life, that's how I've learned the Word of God. And And I read the parts I didn't want to read. I read the Leviticus portions, and I read the begat portions, and I read all those, I read the division of the land portions, and Joshua, and all these parts that I thought, my goodness, what does this even mean? But I read it, and I read it, and I read it, and now I just, well, not now, but after a while, I started seeing types and shadows. And the only reason I understood types and shadows is because now I saw something that I'd read, and I'm thinking, wait a minute, he fought 31 battles. This is 31 over here. I wonder if the two are connected. And before I knew it, even the parts that I did not want to read became important parts to me because now I'm attaching something to it. So notice this. The more word you get inside of you, the greater your sword is. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is what? The Word of God. So how do I, why do I need a sword in my hand? I wish I'd have put this passage up, but I didn't. So let me just read it to you. In Hebrews chapter 4, for the Word of God, this is verse 12 if you're looking it up. Hebrews 4 and 12. For the Word of God is living. Everybody say living. It is the only book you'll ever read that's alive. It is alive. And when you read the Word of God, spiritual DNA is awakened in you. You are a body, soul, and spirit, but you have the DNA of God inside of you, and the Word of God is the thing that quickens that. It quickens the Word of God inside of you. The Word of God is alive. It is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the division of soul and spirit. Now, you show me how you divide soul and spirit, but the Word can do that. It divides soul and spirit, joints and marrow. You want to know what that looks like? Talk to a butcher. That's a real narrow line. Dividing joints and marrow. Think about that. And is the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So what you're doing with the Word of God is the Word of God is like a wedge that you're putting to divide something. Anybody ever chopped wood besides me? I've had plenty of wood chopping days in my life. What happens when you get a hold of a big log? You have to get out a a wedge and a sledgehammer. Nowadays, you get the electronic kind. In my day, we didn't have that stuff. We had to do it by by the sweat of the brow and our back. And so we'd have to put a wedge in there and take a big sledgehammer, and that wedge would drive down into that wood until it was split it apart. And that is what God is trying to do in your life. He's trying to get a word 
word between you and your problem. He's trying to get a word between you and your worry. He's trying to get a word between you. See, Google doesn't have the answer, but if you can ever get a word between you and that problem, I promise you, he can set you free. We gotta learn how to how to get the, the word until it begins to divide things and separates the things in our life. Real quickly, I'm I'm gonna come to a close here, but real quickly, you gotta see this. I love this passage because it talks about casting bread on the water. Anybody ever tried that before? It's ridiculous, right? It doesn't happen. If you, look at this. He's throwing bread on the water because there's a storm. Look at the next verse, verse three. If the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves on the earth, the trees fall. Look at that, it's a storm. Now you tell me what happens when you throw a biscuit on the water in a storm. You tell me what's gonna happen. Is it gonna come back to you? No. Are you gonna eat that biscuit tomorrow? No way. He's not talking about throwing biscuits in the creek in the middle of the storm. He's not talking about throwing your sandwich in the ocean in the middle of the storm. There's a storm there. You don't even know which way the tree is gonna fall. You don't even, and because you see the wind, you just won't sow. And because you understand the clouds, you're just not gonna reap because you're not gonna sow. But here's a guy that says, I see the wind, I see the storm, but I am gonna cast my bread. What is the bread? The bread is the word of God. He said, I'm gonna put a word out in that storm and when that storm is over that word is going to come back to me somebody needs to send a word out in the middle of your storm instead of staying up at night and worrying you need to say all of my children shall be taught by the Lord and great shall be the peace of them and I'm going to throw that out there you need to say no weapon formed against me will be able to prosper and every tongue that rises against me thou shalt condemn for this is the heritage of the servant of the Lord Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. If God be for me, who can be against me? And my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Throw that into the storm and it will come back to you. Do you know what he's talking about here? He's talking about word-carrying believers He's talking about people that say, I'm going to take this word. This is why some get 30, 60, and 100. I'm going to take this word and I'm going to live it. I'm going to, take, I'm going to put a bracelet on my hand that says, what would Jesus do? And it's going to remind me to quote that scripture. I don't know how many of you know Dr. Mike Baker over at the Pentecostal Theological Seminary, but many years ago, Dr. Baker was, was diagnosed with cancer. They have one daughter. He and Sister Sharon have one daughter, and they were all scared to death because this, could, this was a terrifying thing to, to hear. His wife actually got cancer later, and they had to repeat the same process. But when Dr. Baker received the notice that he, that he had cancer, his, his daughter went through their house and put scriptures all over the house. She said, you will live and not die. I will sing the praise. I mean, she put scriptures. He would get in his car. She had scriptures on the rear view mirror. He had opened up the dash and the, the glove box, and there are scriptures in the glove box. He had opened up his portfolio and the scriptures in the portfolio. He was reading scriptures all day long. You know, the Bible says he sent forth his word and healed them. You've read that, right? He sent forth his word and healed them, and he went back to the doctor. All he was doing was casting his bread on the water. All he was doing was saying, listen, I know what you said. I 
see the storm, but I'm sowing anyway. I see the tree is about to fall, but I'm sowing anyway. I see the wind is blowing, and I don't know if there's going to be a harvest, but I'm sowing anyway. I know this storm is coming for me, but I'm going to put a word in that storm. I'm going to put a wedge between me and what could have been and what will be because of the glory of God in my life. And he read these scriptures and read these scriptures. He would shave and read all these scriptures on the mirror. Then he'd get in the car and read all these scriptures. She gave him, she wrote them all over his, his, his notepads, wherever he go, wherever he would go, the word of God was surrounding him. And he went back to the doctor a few months later to get his checkup. And the doctor said, listen, I don't know what you're doing, but you need to keep on doing it because we cannot find any more cancer in your body. I can't understand this. There is no explanation for this. You're not going to need the treatment. You're not going to need anything. He said, what are you taking? And he said, I'll tell you exactly what I'm taking. I'm taking an overdose of the word of God every day in my life. I'm listening to it. I'm digesting it. I'm throwing my bread upon the water because kingdom people are sword bearers in the kingdom of God. We're not just singers and worshipers. We are warriors in the kingdom of God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We bless you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. There's a famous rap artist by the name of Kanye West. Anybody heard that, note, that name lately? You know, he, is, he has really created a lot of controversy because um, he is a rap artist who has found Christ, and a lot of the Christians are not giving him much of a chance because of his past. They know what he has said, but not what he is saying. And I flew in from Canada on Sunday night. I was preaching there Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And I got in late sun, uh, Sunday night, and my wife was watching him on, um, on, on TV. On, he was at Joel Osteen's church. Anybody catch that? And so she was watching this, and she said, Brian, you got to see this. So I came inside. I was worn out from the, I'd spoken six times last weekend, and I was just, all these flights, and I'd come in from Canada. And so I said, okay, let's watch it. So we sat in my living room, and I watched all these rap artists and all these, all these funky dances and all this stuff. And, and there was people criticizing uh, the work he was doing. I'm glad that Perry and Pam spoke up and said, you know, we're just glad that God is using him in the kingdom of God and, and that he's using his influence for good. And when I saw that, I told my wife, I said, you know what I'm seeing? You know what I feel like I'm seeing in my spirit? I'm seeing the Joel 2 revival coming to pass. I'm seeing sons and daughters starting to prophesy. I'm seeing old men dreaming dreams and young men seeing visions. And can I just tell you something? I don't care how the revival comes. I just want a word revival. If the word is in it and the kingdom is in it. And I just need to say something. I, got, I need to get this off my chest because I know how old I am, and I know I've got five grandkids, but can I tell you something? I don't need another revival. I've been having my revival my whole life. You don't need to sing me another old song. I can go home and sing them by myself if I want to sing them. You don't have to sing me another hymn. I love the hymns, but I'm not going to fuss because somebody don't sing my music. My goodness, get yourself a CD player and go home and sing it. You can worship in your own house. I am tired of... I am tired of codependent Christians who don't want to pull their own weight in the kingdom, leaning on everybody else's fasting and praying to get them in the kingdom of God. And then when God does a new thing, all they can do is criticize what God is doing. Can I tell you something? If it's got the name of Jesus in it, if it's got his name in it, if they're lifting him up and glorifying him and they're in the word of God, then I say bring it on. I say bring on a revival. You know what? I don't 
have to have another revival, but my children do. My dream is not for me to speak in tongues. I already do. My dream is for my granddaughters to speak in tongues. You don't have to give me another song. Give them a song. You don't have to give me another service. Give them a service. I'm ready to see a revival among young people poured out all over this land. So I realized that, you know, maybe I'm a bit of an old school preacher to some people. I'm an old soul, and I love the deep things of God. And I realized that might not be everybody's tune. That might not be everybody's language. But I am so committed to what God is doing that I'm going to give my last illustration to you. All right, now, those of you that don't like this, you just plug up your ears because uh, this is not for you anyway. It's for somebody else. I just want all the young people of America to know that I am ready for revival that gets you saved. I am ready for revival that pulls you off the streets. I'm ready for revival that gets you out of bed with your neighbor. I'm ready for revival that gets you off of drugs. I'm ready for revival that gets you back in God's house. I don't care what it looks like. It doesn't have to look like my revival. If it takes smoke and lights, give me smoke and lights. I don't care. I just, I'm grown. I don't have to have have it my way. If I want it my way, I'll go to Burger King and have it my way. I don't need it my way. I want it God's way. And if God is pouring out his spirit on another generation, then I just want them to know that God is doing so. As lame as this may sound and as bad as this may squawk, I'm just going to close this with something for another generation. And you're going to have to help me because I am not good at this. But here we go. For whatever it is, here we go. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Twas blind, but now I see. When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to see God's praise, and then we've first begun. So when you get saved and you need to grow, don't go to grant. When, when you get saved and you need to grow, there's only one place to look. Don't go to the gram for your inspiration. You need to go to the book. When you need a word, go to the book. And when you can't find God, go to the book. And when you need a promise, go to the book. And when you need direction, go to the book. And when you need a friend, go to the book. And when you need victory, go to the book. And when you need protection, go to the book. And when you need an answer, go to the book. And when you need deliverance, go to the book. And when you need real peace, go to the book. And when you need assurance, go to the book. And when you need a plan, Go to the book, and when you need a prophecy, go to the book. And when you need to believe, and when you need to love, and when you need to breathe, and when you need to trust, and when you need to faith, go to the book. And when you need new hope, go to the book. And when you need new truth, go to the book. And when you need honesty, and when you need a song, and when you need an assignment, and when you need a counselor, and when you need a doctor, and when you need a healer, and when you need a lawyer, and when you need affirmation, and when you need prospection, and when you need a vision, and when you need a new fire, and when you need new wind, and when you need fresh oil, and when you need new energy, and when you need new desire, and when you lose your way, and when you lose your family, and when you lose your marriage, and when you lose your money, 
And when you lose your mind, and when you lose your memory, and when you lose your health, and when you lose your way, and when you lose understanding, and when you lose mobility, and when you lose your passion, and when you lose your grip, and when you lose your fire, and when you lose creativity, and when you lose your leader, and when you lose your identity, and when you lose your language, and when you lose your power, and when you've been let down, and when you've been looked over, and when you've been lied to, and when you've been stared at, and when you've been jeered at, and when you've been mocked at, and when you've been thrown out, and when you've been talked about, and when you've been persecuted, and when you've been cheated on, and when you've been beat up, and when you've been left out, and when you've been blessed out, and when you've been cursed out, and when you've been cast out, and when you're broke, and when you're busted, and when you're sad, and when you're mad, and when you're scarred, and when you're scared, and when you're bruised, and when you're shaken, and when you're shattered, and when you're desperate, and when you're disturbed, and when you're sleepless, and when you're helpless, whatever you need, just go to the book. Just go to the book. Just go to the book. The answer's there for you. Just go to the book. Hallelujah. Stand to your feet all over the room. Come on, give God praise one more time. Let's move this. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. <laughs> Maybe we'll get him to do it next time. No, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Really. We are in a kingdom. And we have a king. And this is an embassy. And our king is returning. And until he does, we live by faith. And we carry a sword. That's what the kingdom of God looks like this week. And next week, we're going to see some more of the kingdom of God. But tonight, this is what I want. I want all the people in this room, we're not going to have a prayer, a prayer call where we're going to pray for you. We're going to pray together. We're going to do some body ministry here tonight. I want all the people in this room that say, I want to be a part of what God is doing. I want to be a part of the kingdom. I need kingdom connections in my life. I need kingdom prayers in my life. I'm tired of religion, even denomination. I want to see kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If that is you, I I want you to come and stand with me around the front right now as many of you that will i want to see the kingdom come and thy will be done if the singers want to come you can come but i just want everybody that will everybody to come all over the room all over the room the bible says that some send and some go well thank you for sending me to the world this program is made available to you and brought to you by the partners of brian cutshaw ministry I want to thank all of our monthly partners who help us take the gospel 
and the, our books and products, DVDs, CDs, YouTube channels, everything that we do around the world. If you would like to partner with us in ministry, please go to briancutshaw.com and sign up today. We would love to partner with you in ministry.